Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. We're going to be in for an absolutely fantastic just 30, 35 minutes as I just share God's word with us today. We're continuing with our series, What It's Like to Be Around Here. I've often said this, I'll go to different homes, to different businesses, offices, and you just walk in there and you just can sense a culture. It can either be good or bad. There's just an atmosphere, there's something that's there that's, that's uh, important for us to understand. And, you know, oftentimes homes are guided by behaviours that are in a home. Certain people have certain standards, certain ways of doing things. If you come to our house, we do ask you to take your shoes off because we've got wooden floors. And so they get scratched very, very easily. It's not that we're being precious over it, we're just trying to look after it. But for other people, you walk in and say, oh, no, no. And I always go, no, 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 leave them on. Just, just come on in. It's not a problem. Different ways that people behave. It doesn't make them right or us right or them wrong or us wrong. It's just different ways of looking at it. But there are certain things that we don't want in the house. And a couple of weeks ago, it was a joy to have some of the elders and staff on here and talk about things that we definitely don't want in the church. And you'll need to listen to the podcast to that. We call them thieves. They're robbers. They'll take away from us. They'll divide churches. They'll separate relationships. We don't want them in the church. But there's certain things we do want in the church. And we spoke last week about the whole foundation of that was discipleship, which means to be a learner. It means to be a follower of Jesus. And again, I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast around that. But this morning, it's my joy to just talk about two particular principles, blocks that again, are important to us. And we hope that actually they're not just things that we talk about. These are things that people would see in the life of our church. But before I do that, let me just tell you a story. About February, it was over the half term, we, we actually went to Sheffield as a family. And oftentimes when we go to Sheffield, we'll go to a place called Meadow Hall. My dad likes to call it Mither Hall because he gets very mithered when he's there. But other people like to call it Meadow Hall. But this time we decided not to go to Meadow Hall. We decided to go into the city of Sheffield. It's not a city that I know particularly well. But we parked up. My future son-in-law, Jonathan, who frequents it frequently, he said, you need to park here. So we parked in a particular place. And it just so happened that... Anybody know Sheffield really well? Give us a wave. Okay, there's the city hall, isn't it? It's like a square. And, and so we parked that end and we was walking down. But as we was walking down, I noticed that there was a, a fairground happening. So there was this fairground happening and there was this kid screaming his head off. I mean, it was so hilarious. And you could see he was enjoying it, but he was going. And I was just transfixed by this image of this thing going up and down. I, I was distracted. Eleanor would say that I was being nosy. Because I was busy walking and just looking. And because I'd not been that way before, and nobody had ever told me, there were some steps. You know what's coming. So as I'm walking and I'm just looking, I go down these... Who's laughing at me like that? Who's laughing already? I mean, that's not nice, is it? It's really not nice when people... Anybody else laugh when people fall over? My mum's the worst at it. You know, you can be, I mean, somebody's crying, they broke their leg, and she's ah, laughing her head, she just can't help herself. Anybody else like that? Yeah, it's rotten, isn't it, when you see people like And I was just literally, you know what's happened? I was over, I was sprawled all out, this 
big youth all over everywhere. I did the James Bond role. Their kids were wetting themselves, laughing at me. I mean, no compassion. Caroline was horrified. She was like a look of absolute horror. And, you know, thankfully, only my pride was dented. I didn't sprain anything, thankfully, this time. I didn't break anything. I didn't do anything. What is my point? My point is this. I easily got distracted. And because I'd not been that way before, nobody had ever told me those steps were coming, I just walked straight into them. And to be honest with you, this can be a little bit like these behaviours. Because they're behaviours that we all know about, but unfortunately, many of us get distracted. And so instead of being focused on them, we become easily distracted by other things. Other people have never been that way before, so you just don't know what you're walking into. You've never heard. Some of you are going to hear things this morning you've never heard before. And they're going to be deeply challenging because you had a different behavior in your home or how you was raised or in a different context of a church and that was acceptable. We're going to outline today just some behaviors that are really, really important to us. So the first thing I want to talk about is this whole thing to do with honor. Everybody say honor. Honor. Or if you're from Ilson, honor. You missed the H, okay? Or if you're from Mansfield, because I'm from Mansfield, that's how they, they talk as well. That it's honour. Honour. Now, many people don't really understand what this thought of honour means. This is what it says in Proverbs 3 verse 9. It says, honour the Lord. Honour the Lord. But unfortunately, many of us have no idea what this is about. And during this uh, autumn of last year, I did three or four weeks on this. But we're going to do it again just in this message Because we think it's so, so important. But for those who have no clue what the word honour means, let me tell you. Because it's important that we define it. Honour means that we place a value upon something. It it adds weight to. It's weighty over our life. The actual thought of honour comes from an Eastern practice, practice thousands of years ago. Where what they would do, they would take a coin and they would measure that coin. And the weight of it determined the value. The weight of the coin determined the value. In fact, the heavier the coin, the more the value, the more it was valued. And so it is with honour. The more you put a value on something, the more weight it has over your life. I'll say that again. The more value you put on something, the more weight it has over your life. That's why I can tell very easily and very quickly what you value. What has weight, what you honour. Because what you honour, you value. And it has weight over your life. I see it over people's lives. What they value is they value the position. They value the title more than they do Jesus. We have a problem. They value their possessions more than they do relationships. We have a problem. And what we're talking about today is the thought of a culture, a behavior of honor. So here's the question, what do you value? What do you value? I I hope we've got some notepads and pens going. Have we got some notepads and pens? Hopefully we have. Your phones are. What do you value? What are you valuing? You see, honor is a significant key to unlocking kingdom power and blessing. 
I believe as we honour leaders, as we honour God, as we honour one another, it releases a power and a blessing that most of us have no comprehension of. I'll tell you why we have no comprehension of it. Because we live in a culture, in a society that dishonours, that disrespects, that disregards. It's true. I'm sorry. That is where we live. And I'm not just talking about church now. I'm talking about businesses. I'm talking about homes. Let me give you an example of this. About two years ago, just as we was leading up to Christmas, I won't say where I was, but it was a local school. And um, I was just stuck in traffic. So I'm on this side uh, going down. And uh, there's obviously other traffic coming this way. But over this side, there was, the schools were coming out. Kids were pouring out of the school. And I was stuck in traffic, so I couldn't do any more. I was just looking out the window, just observing what these kids were like. I could see something, what was about to happen. I just knew it was about to happen. I will say it, but I don't say it disrespectfully. There was a kid who looked a little bit geeky, a little bit awkward. He looked a nice kid. And he was just minding his own business, walking up the street. Just walking up. I could see what was happening, Rob. You'd have spotted as well from the police thing. I saw these three or four kids running. I knew what was happening next. And all you saw was, bang! Smacked them to the ground. They were kicking him. Kids were just walking by. Well, I did no more. I was out of the car. I shouted. There was traffic going. I said, oi, leave him alone. Leave him be. Straight away, these, they must have been 15, 60 old. Sorry, but I'll have to do it just for a fact. They give, they're doing this to me. F you. Come on then. This, I mean, I'm a grown bloke. 15, 16 year olds offering me out. Now, thankfully, as a result of me Doing that, the kid was able to get up. I watched him scarp her off. They were then too busy on me. And thankfully, they then did that, and then they cleared off, and I jumped back in the car. I did no more and called the school. I said, this incident's happened. I tell you, I described the kids to them. I says, it's out of order. It's bullying. Get it sorted. And they called me back, and the school was outstanding in terms of, yeah, we know where they are. We're going to follow this up. What I'm, my point that I'm making is this. Total disregard for me. Total disregard for that kid. But I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an adult and I've got 15, 16 year old kids offering me out. It's ridiculous. What world are we living in? A dishonor, a disrespect, a disregard. And we just think, well, that's just normal. No, it's not normal. It's out of order. Anybody with me this morning? It's out of order. We've got to somehow challenge that kind of behavior. Now, I wasn't going to go in there if it was all and start, you know, I wasn't going to fight them. I can tell you now, that is not how we do it. But I needed to do something to stop it because it's not right. And oftentimes, oh, yeah, it's out on the streets. Now, listen to me. It can be in the church. A dishonor, a disrespect, a disregard for one another, for God, for leadership. You see, honor is so, so important. You know when it's there and you know when it's not. I was in a church, you know, I was a couple of years ago. And then I went last year to a church. It was beautiful. The spirit of that church, just an honoring culture, a loving culture. Not a weak culture, challenging. Let me tell you, that leader does not suffer fools gladly. He's not a doormat. Because people, you know, misinterpret what I'm talking about. No, strong leadership. Strong leadership. But not controlling but there was such a life-giving culture that was in there and it impacted me. And I realized what it was. It was because they established a culture of honor in the life of that church. 
Now there's reasons why people don't want to honor. There's reasons even you, you can have a reaction to even my language now because of how you've been raised. But I think there's four significant reasons why people, why I choose not to honor and want to live in dishonor. First of all, we won't humble ourselves. We will not humble ourselves. Let me tell you, if you will not humble yourself before God, if you will not acknowledge God over your life, you are going to be in a mess. Your life is going to go from one tragedy to another. Tragedy! Okay, you're just going to break out into tragedy wherever you go. It's going to be one mistake after another mistake. Because God opposes the proud, but what? Gives grace to the humble. He's looking for a spirit of humility. And this isn't easy for all of us because ego so gets in the way. I was with a pastor recently and he just said, he had a difficult time and he said, you know, there's all sorts of stuff around him and he was just asking me a number of things and he says, I know I've not been great in my ego and I says, now, you know, it can be a massive, massive issue and our egos need to be redeemed. We need to live out of humility. Secondly, people don't honor is because, or they dishonor is because they don't like or agree with the person. So you could be here with, to me today and you actually disagree with me. You don't like me. So therefore, you're not going to honor me. Or your boss at work, you don't like him. You don't agree with him. So you're not going to honor him. I want to say that is completely averse to what the Bible teaches. And are we going to live out of the Bible or are we just going to live out of the spirit and the culture of the, the age that says, if you don't like him, to you, pal. I'll go and get another job. I'll go, and, I'll go to another church. Thirdly, people don't dishonor is because they've never been taught. They've never been taught. So again, this is the thing. You, you've never been this way before, so you trip up. <laughs> you sprawl out all everywhere because you've never been taught this stuff. And frankly, up until last year, I'd never heard a message about honor in the life of the church. Not something I'd, I'd heard a lot about faith and love and purity and keeping yourself from evil and faith and not honor. And fourthly, oh, this is a big one. We will not honor anybody. We will dishonor because of our envy. We can't bear for others to be exalted more than we are. Somebody's getting along. I'm not happy about that. So I'm no chance am I going to honor them. If we're all honest, these things can all spring up in all of our hearts. Well, I'm being honest with you. All those things have probably been there at some time in my life. And yet it's so contrary, that kind of list that I've talked about, it's so contrary to what Jesus teaches us. I just want to show you these verses that will be familiar for many of us if you've been around church. And we read them very cozily and casually, but just let's just look at it for a moment, the detail because it reads in Philippians in chapter 2, from verse 5 through to 9, in your relationships with one another. Listen to that language, in your relationships with one another. That's what he's addressing. Have the same mindset as Jesus, who, being in very nature, God, so he was God, he didn't consider equality with, with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather... Jesus, God, he made himself absolutely nothing. He took the very nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness. And he was found in appearance as a man. So he was God that came to earth as a man. And he became obedient to death. 
even death on the cross. God honoured us by sending Jesus. Jesus honoured us by coming to this undeserving world and became our servant. He became my servant. God became my servant. That's what he's saying. Became your servant. And he died on the cross. As a result of that, this is what he then goes on to say, verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest. There it is again. If we will lower ourselves, then God in due time will exalt us. You see, Jesus was showing us the way to live, and it was out of honor. So three things that we need to honor. First of all, we need to honor God. Proverbs 3, verse 9, honor the Lord. I've been recently been reading through the book of Jeremiah. For those who are new, Jeremiah is an Old Testament prophet, and Jeremiah was a, it's a lengthy book in the Old Testament. And it's not an easy read. So if you're new to church, I wouldn't encourage you to read the book of Jeremiah first of all. I'd encourage you to look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in the New Testament. Something a little bit more simple. But the book of Jeremiah is so important because the whole theme of it is return to me. Return to me. You see, what was happening at that time, that God had raised up a man, a young man by the name of Jeremiah and said, listen, you're going to suffer much for my name. And I want you to tell the nation how wrong they are. Because what was happening, they were turning to follow other gods. They were worshipping other things. And Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to that nation. We find in the first few chapters, and I've really meditated on this verse and this passage quite a bit because God speaks in Jeremiah 2 verse 19 and he says to the nation, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me. And I've no awe of me. You see, what he was basically saying is, you've lost the wonder of who I am. I read recently that someone wrote this, the loss of mystery leads to a loss of majesty. That's worthy of a note take. The loss of mystery leads to a loss of majesty. We lose who God is because we get wrapped up in all the other things. So instead of us honoring God, we dishonor God with our behavior, with the way we live, with the way what we worship. And God is calling us back, guys, as a church. It's the first foundation of honor. We need to honor the Lord. We need to honor God. If you're new to church and you don't know anything about Jesus, you're going to hear much. Keep coming over the weeks, you know, and months ahead. We just want to encourage you to honor God. That is the foundation to build. We sung it this morning, to build your life upon Upon God, upon Jesus, what he did for us. But secondly, we're also called to honour our leaders. Honour our leaders. Now it would be remiss of me not to address this, and you could easily perceive me now as being self-serving. But I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I speak the truth this morning. I'm not being self-serving. Because we're called and commanded to honour our leaders. I dare say there are some Christian people and churches that are operating under a curse. 
It's very strong language, but it's fact. Some people and churches are withering and dying. It has nothing to do with lack of opportunities. It has nothing to do... It has nothing to do with, you know, the church holding them back or life's against me. It has nothing to do with those things. I'm talking to Christian people now. If you're not a Christian, you're off the hook. I'm talking to Christian people. If you profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because I've seen this time and time and time again. Too many times to count. I've been to too many churches that we're trying to help. And when you get to the heart of it, if there's been a dishonoring culture and that church that was once great has now dwindled to to hardly any. That is why churches have closed. The majority, there's been a dishonoring. There's been a dishonoring of God. There's been a dishonoring of the leaders. And you see, what happens is people are withering, dying due to a lack of honor for God's designated authority. Now, I've said this to you many times before. I didn't ask for this. And sometimes I wish I didn't have it. But the fact is that God has asked me to do this, commanded me to do this, called me to do this, therefore I have to do it. Or otherwise I live in disobedience. Can I hear an amen? And the elders who are all here, they are called to do what they are doing. They're not just doing a job. And the pastors who are here, they are called to do a job. They're called. And they're God's designated authority. Whether you like it or not, that is the fact. And the Bible commands us to honour our leaders. So I lived with this even before I was a lead pastor. Even before I was a pastor. There's numbers of things that I didn't agree with what my pastor was saying. But I still obeyed it. And I still honoured him. And if I can be really bold with you, I think that's why God has blessed my life. And that's why God has given me platforms like this. Because I've sought to live with that kind of spirit and attitude of honour. You see, there are some people who think they can say what they want to their leaders. And they think there's no consequences. Because nothing happens immediately. But you watch people's lives as they go on. And you see them withering and dying. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's so sad. I see people behave poorly. I've seen churches starve their pastors out. Steve will have known this. Steve Holmes, one of our elders. We've seen it many, many times where churches have starved their pastors out. Some of them have got kids. And because they didn't like something they said, they're not going to withhold their tithe. So there's no money left to pay the pastor. And it's poor two, three, four kids. Thankfully, that's never happened here. But it's happened many, many times in other contexts. And then they expect the blessing of God. and They expect revival to break out. Guys, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. We're called to honour our leaders. And I know it's uncomfortable and we're going to come to something a bit lighter. Are you still with me? Just high five the person next to, me, next to you. Just to help me. Just to ease the temperature a little bit. Who finds this uncomfortable? Who finds it uncomfortable this morning? I mean, come on. Who f- now you may say this is all your words. We've seen nothing of the Bible. The Bible runs with it from Genesis to Revelation. But let me just land on one particular verse. Hebrews 13 verse 17, it says this. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. It does use the word submit as well. Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Let me tell you, that there, you won't see, is underlined. It's underlined in my Bible. That freaks me out. You may say, I get all the joy of this. Let me tell you, I will be called to give a bigger account than you. 
So don't put it all on me now, because I'm after to give an account. Can I ask that you will do your part now and submit to the authority that God's given? Don't all put, oh, you're going to get an account. I know I'm going to get an account, but can I ask now that you submit to the authority that God's given to this church? If we do this, honor's going to flow, blessing's going to flow, favor's going to flow, prosperity's going to flow to you and to us. That doesn't mean to say we're not going to disagree. Of course that's going to be the case. And we have to work through that. But we're going to do it in a spirit of love and cooperation. Let me carry on. Do this so that their work will be a joy. Please. Please. Please make this work a joy for me. And not a burden. Because if it's a burden, that will be of no benefit to you. If I'm burdened by it, it's no benefit to you. You'll get the worst of me. Make it a joy. I love what Peterson writes. It is a contemporary. You can't land, build theology on the message version, but it's just helpful. And particularly if you're a new Christian, just to get a copy of the message. And it's great to just read the NIV or the New King James or whatever your particular flavor is and then look at the message. But this is what it says. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? So we're called to honor the Lord, honor God. We're called to honor the leaders. And thirdly, we're called to honor one another. Romans 12 verse 10 says this, Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another Above yourselves. Everybody say above. Above. Honor one another above yourselves. Again, this is so counterculture because we taught now to look after number one. It's all about me. Don't give anybody else another thought. You grab what you can, get what you can. And actually the Bible is saying something very different. It's saying honor one another above yourselves. One commentator wrote it like this. We've got to learn to play second fiddle. So you might not be at the front doing the, you know, so everybody sees, but you may be at the back. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, you know I don't. This has been a big lesson for me. Some of you, all, you always have to be at the front. This way sound very dishonoring. I laughed when I saw Donald Trump recently. It was three or four weeks ago. He, was, he shoved somebody out of the way. Did you see it on the news? Shoved somebody out of the way. And he was getting to the front for this photo shoot. I thought, that just exemplifies. And he was a lady. He shoved out of the way. And I just thought, play second fiddle. You know, this honoring one another, what does it look like? It means that we prefer and defer. It means that we love. It means that we appreciate it means we work out our differences in relationships, in marriage, in church. You know, this honor will manifest itself in our beliefs, in our behaviors, and in our words. I can quickly tell now somebody who has a lifestyle of honor by the things that we say. If we're quick to criticize, quick to slander, I've been reading about this last week again, really drove very deep. We have to be very careful what we say about one another. That's the Bible. Read James. And we need to live out of a spirit of honoring, honoring God, honoring our leaders, and honoring one another. Very quickly, because I've got one other point that I've got to make, and my time's 
nearly gone. What does this mean? Well, it means I worship God with everything. And I do so with mystery and majesty. I'm not going to lose the awe of Jesus. It means I will practice playing second fiddle by how I prefer, esteem, and speak well of my leaders and each other. And it also means that I will gladly submit knowing God exalts and he brings low. The second block that I would just want to talk about, just for these closing moments, is not just honour, but is also excellence. Again, just aliving you up, just everybody say excellence. Just again, excellence. Now this really ticks people off, particularly if you just don't understand what I mean by this, because you have a, a comprehension of what I'm talking about. And hopefully, just in these few moments that I've got, I'm going to talk about what I do mean and what I don't mean. But just to hang this thought of excellence upon, and these are behaviors that we want to see in the life of Arena Church, and we do see in the life of Arena Church, we hang them on the Bible. So we've done it with honor, but with excellence. A verse that I knew as a young lad is found in Psalm chapter 8 and verse 1. It says this, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Let me tell you, his name is not just love. His name is not kindness. His name is excellent. (laughs) That's his name. How excellent is your name? His name is excellence. We serve a God of excellence. We serve a God who does excellence in everything that he does. We see a God who created the universe and it was God. That was God just saying he didn't want to go too far. Oh, it's ruined. He just, you know, took it down a bit. But when he created us, when he created Des, he said, it is very good. And we all can see this fine specimen of a man, why it's very good. Excellence is who he is. We can see it just for a moment, Jake, just put it on the screen. The sunset and the mountain ranges and we see it in creation. Just beautiful. Just beautiful. About three years ago, a man of God said to me, we was walking down West Bridgeford High Street going for lunch and he said to me, what's wrong with you? So what do you mean what's wrong with me? He said, you're always in a hurry. I said, no, I'm not. He says, look at you. You're pacing. We're going for a casually l- lunch. He says, the problem with you, Christian, you're so much in a hurry, you lose the majesty and the wonder and the beauty of what God has created for you. Listen to the birds. I went, what birds? I mean, they were all around us. I just just could, the smell of the tapas was drawing me, actually. As I stopped to listen to these birds, he says, listen to me. It may seem a bit daft, but it's lived with me, and I've done it many times. He says, they're singing a song just for you. I went, give over, Van. He says, they're singing it just for you. He was teasing it, they're singing it just for you. It stopped me in my, in, in that, in my tracks because I'm not one for nature and stuff. And now we were walking just a number of weeks ago and I just said to Caroline, I just got hold of Caroline's hand and we was just walking, a lovely walk, nobody was around. And I just said to her, and I said, I said, can you hear the birds sing? I said, they're singing just for us. He is excellent in all that he does. He's an excellent God. So what does that demand of me? Well, it demands that I live out of a spirit of excellence. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Daniel, and Daniel was in exile. He wasn't in his homeland. He's been moved. He was now in Babylon. 
And because he was intelligent, charming, you know, he, he just got it all together. The king brought him into his household and he appointed rulers and administrators over the kingdom. But it says of Daniel, he appointed him, he, he was more distinguished than even the other guys. Why? Because it says this, an excellent spirit was in him. Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. Now, very quickly, let me just say, the excellent spirit was in him. It was not over him. It didn't follow him. It wasn't around him, but it was in him. The Bible's very descriptive. This excellent spirit was in him. What is he saying? Daniel had a heart of excellence. What did it look like? Well, it was passion. It was tenacity. It was devotion. It was committed. It was all the things that Daniel had in his heart. This is what we're talking about. This excellent spirit. You see, excellence is not what that'll do. I've just had some work done. We've just had some work done in our bathroom. And Simon, my brother-in-law, who's a plumber, did it. And my dad was there as a retired plumber. Meticulous. Meticulous in how they work. Brilliant. It wasn't what that'll do for this house. Meticulous. It's very, very good. It wasn't, it isn't the spirit of, well, I'll just give a little, but not all. It wasn't, I'm here, but I'm not present. It wasn't, well, let's get in and get out as quick as we can. It wasn't, well, let's cut a few corners because it's all about ease. That's not a spirit of excellence. Neither is the spirit of excellence perfection. Neither is it posing. Hey, ladies. Give me a break. Excellence is not, oh, I'm pristine, I'm turning. You know, we want to do our best, but it's not posing and it's not boastful. Excellence is not boasting. Excellence is not bringing glory to yourself. Excellence, if I was to define it, is doing the best you can with what you have. Have you heard that? Excellence is doing the best you can with what you have. Let me tell you, we've still got potholes in our car park. You know why? Because we probably can't afford to spend, I'm saying 30,000, but it's going to be thousands to renew the whole of the car park. We just haven't got that kind of money. But what we are going to be doing over these next few weeks is filling in those potholes to make them smoother. Most of you haven't got a clue. Anybody notice that we cut a hedge down? Great. We cut a hedge down. Why did we do that? Because we want it to look great. We want people, when the signs come on, they can see what we're doing. We want the toilets to be clean. Somebody has to clean them, by the way. But thank you for those who do clean. We really appreciate it, Julie and others. Because we want to live out of a spirit of excellence. Everything that we do, we want to be excellent with. Now, that means sometimes the carpets may not be where we want them to be. We might need to replace them. But we haven't got the money to replace them. So we're going to make sure they're hoovered. We're going to make sure they're clean to the best of our ability. Can I hear a big amen? This is what I'm talking about. A spirit of excellence. We're not talking about posing. We're not talking about being boastful. We're not talking about, you know, going excessively. We're talking about living out of an excellence because it honours his name. Now, before you start hyperventilating and departing through discouragement, I know we're all flawed. I know we're all imperfect. I know we'll get things wrong. I know we're all on a journey. 
But what I'm talking about in Arena Church is we carry a spirit of excellence. The excellent spirit is in us. And we're going to do the very best with what we had. If you just excuse me, just using one more personal illustration. When we got married, we had a tiny little house in Milton Keynes that was brand new. It was brand new because they were building them on shared ownership. So it's a lovely little house. But frankly, we didn't have a lot, as most young couples did. And I remember cashing my insurance policy in so we could buy carpets. And we managed to just carpet the area. And, uh, and that was it. And we just basically, we, we had furniture donated, given. I'm not being funny here. Most of it didn't match. Most of it didn't match. But I want to tell you, you came into our house, it carried an excellent spirit. Shall I tell you why? Because my wife made sure it did. Everything was neat, orderly, organized, clean. The garden, I love now to go in the garden. I don't know, still know much about plants, but I love it when the garden looks nice. I remember us digging it out, because you know what builders do? They leave the garden just full of rubbish and we have to clear it and level it. And I didn't have enough to turf it, so we seeded it because that was cheaper. And I remember cutting out the borders. I don't know whether you can remember looking at me, cutting out the borders. I had no plants, but I cut the borders. And every Friday, we didn't have the money to buy a lawnmower. So what happened was, I asked the church if I could borrow their lawnmower every Friday, and I'll bring it back on the Saturday. And the maintenance man said, of course you can. And so I made sure I put petrol, because it was a petrol lawnmower. So I used to put it in the car, can you remember? And I'd every Friday, I'd mow it, I'd mow it, and then on Saturday I'd take it back. Even though all we had was grass and there was no trees and there was no plants. Why did I do that? Because I wanted it to look excellent. I was doing the very best I could with what we had. Question, what are you doing with what you have? Are you doing the very best you have with what you have been given? This affects us in our families. So, question, am I giving my best to my family? Am I giving my best to my church? Am I giving my best in my finances and my stewardship? I'm not even talking about even giving here. Just how we spend, how we distribute it, how generous we are. Am I giving my best in my work? Am I giving my best for my employer? Because if we're not, we're not living out of a spirit of excellence. In close, what does this mean? This excellence, this behavior of excellence, it means I will do my best at all times with what I have. It means I will not look for shortcuts, easy options, or just do enough. And it will mean I will seek to have an excellent heart that will reflect God to my world. This excellence is so difficult because it's so counterculture. It's sacrificial. It's costly. Yet when you are in its presence, excellence, it stands out. It's attractive. And it's life-giving. I've been to some businesses that carry an excellent spirit. I just want to tell you, it stands out. It's attractive. It's life-giving. I've been to numbers of churches that carry an excellent spirit. They might have potholes in the car park. The carpet might be a bit threadbare. 
but they carry an excellent spirit. They're doing the very best they can with what they have, and it's life-giving. But I've also been to other places where that isn't the case. What we're seeking to do here, what it's like to be around here, is carry a culture of honor, a behavior of honor, and a culture and a behavior of excellence. Let's bow our heads, shall we?